This is the one with a Dalek dad. Doc's nut roast roll. Outsnatched snatchers. The second time Doc's face has been chiseled into rock. And a highly directional ultrasonic beam of rock and roll. It's called Revelation of the Daleks. Here we Here go. Here we go. <laughs> We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Dalek boot, and the Cybertronic race. Some Tarans look like taters, and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS. We're reviewing all his tales. Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal. Come join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be? Then? Who back when? Who back when? What up, podcast land, and welcome to a fantastic episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Doc Past. Right you are, my friend. Oh, podcast land, I am Leon, and said friend of mine is none other than the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend. It's Jim Cakes. Hello, Jim Cakes. Hello. That's that's me. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Holy smokes, we are talking about Revelation of the Daleks today. What a revelation. Yeah. <laughs> we both finished it today. Yes, I watched right? the entire thing mere hours ago. Oh, the entire ago. thing? Oof. How do you feel? I, I feel like watching this whole thing in one sitting might have been a challenge. I wouldn't say it was a challenge. I feel a little bit overwhelmed. Okay. I, I said said to Marie before I started recording, it's like, I've not had time to process this. I'm just going to have to process it on air. So... <laughs> You're coming along Fantastic. for the ride, Podcast Land. <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> I'm in a similar situation in that I watched the second half of it today, and yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about it. I mean, I say that trying to be polite. I think I know how I feel about it, but I'm hoping <laughs> that you will convince me otherwise. <laughs> oh, this is interesting. Let's not beat about the bush, because actually, I didn't hate this, but it sounds like maybe you did. It's not that I hated it. It's that there's so much about it that I don't like. Like the, there's, okay, I mean, that's there's fair. <laughs> more about it that I don't like than I usually encounter in a Doctor Who serial, and it just seems so disjo- it's, it's so incredibly ambitious as a story, right? Like there's so much happening in it. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not sure any of it really pays off. <laughs> this is so. <laughs> No, no. I mean, it's the usual thing. There's a lot of stuff happening. Some of it lands, some of it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, there's so much happening. Oh, I feel yeah. like m- maybe we should just have a little pause, gather our thoughts in a bite-sized chunk uh-huh. of who, and then come back and just let rip. Great. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Time for us to synopsize, lubify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brew and listen to this overview. This free for all we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who. There's no preamble to this one. Doc and Perry arrive slap bang on the planet of the week, Necros, to pay their respects to the recently deceased Professor Arthur Stengos, one of the finest agronomists in the galaxy, don't you know? As they head to the tranquil repose funeral home, we get a little peek behind the curtain of the operation and, surprise, surprise, things are not quite as they seem. No one here is really dead for a start. They're just in suspended animation. Or so Davros would have you believe. Yes, that's right. Davros is here with a small contingent of Daleks in tow. With a planet called Necros, a guy called Davros, a bunch of Daleks, some rebels, and a couple of food suppliers that have their own galaxy-ruling dreams, You can bet your ass that the death count in this one is going to hit the ceiling. Throw in the mercenary Orsini and his squire, the smelly boss doc, and watch the heads roll. 
Probably should say more about the plot at this point, but, well, that's a little hard to grasp. Hey, let's distract ourselves with this DJ guy. I bet Alexi Sale can fill us in on everything that's going on. What's that? He's just here to be an annoying version of every American DJ trope you can think of. Nuts. B-Scout over. You are welcome. (laughs) Aren't you elucidated, podcast lands? (laughs) Now you know exactly what this is about. A a little little insight into how we feel, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, wait, do you want to recap how you feel, Jim? Because podcast land, standing ovations go to Jim for this beast cow. How do you feel about this? <laughs> like weirdly, that beast cow makes it sound like I probably didn't like this, but yeah, exactly. I probably like this more than a lot of the rambling classic episodes that throw <laughs> a lot of stuff and not all of it sticks. Because I feel like this was at least a little bit more contained with the wandering plot lines. They all seem to wander at least a little bit over each other, rather than just random, hey, here's this alien snake race that is not needed at all, you know. (laughs) I don't know why you didn't like those snakes. They were great. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, shall we start with that? Do you want to talk me through kind of what it is about this multifaceted plot that you do like. Let's start with something positive. <laughs> I, I know, that's not well, like us, well, but let's do that. This is, no, this is unheard of. A, it's it's just like, thrown me for six. B, that's a lot of pressure, dude. I, like I said, I didn't hate it. I start, okay, fair. I'm not going to necessarily sing its merits from the, the rafters, you know, but... I guess it's just the fact that, so there's this weird funeral home. We can't necessarily call it a funeral home planet, but, I mean, it pretty much is. As the things generally are set up in Classic Who, it's a a one-company planet or a one-village planet, you know, this kind of thing. That's right. The planet is called Necros. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which I love. That's great. So, yeah, most things are revolving around this one situation. Da- why, why Davros is here, I think they say it's because he escaped his exploding ship and there happened to be a way down to this planet or something like that. Yeah, I don't know why kind of he appeared here, but yeah, was, I mean, it's there fine. There was a little hand he, wave of he survived sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he teleported or teletransported off the, the ship before it blew up. Great, that's yeah. fine. Maybe this planet was the only one that was within a reasonable radius of the team exactly, or something. something. Maybe that, that yeah. that's fine. Yeah, quite then, a coincidence. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So he he teammates to this planet, and then bish bash bosh, he's soylent greening people and <laughs> yeah, turning dead bodies into Daleks. <laughs> He somehow labeled himself the great healer. People call him that, even though they seem to know who he is. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a fair place. What? <laughs> I don't sure, know. great. <laughs> Can't argue with that. It's hard to explain how that all came to being. I, I guess there must have... I mean, because the thing is, presumably he came here either on his own or with a couple of Daleks. So. But, but I'm assuming on his own, because all the Daleks we see surrounding him are this new style. This, they're all white, basically, or apart from the couple of clear ones we see. Yeah, the glass Daleks that look Which spectacular, by the way. Amazing. Like, utterly spectacular. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I mean, which basically sets up the situation. Wherever you put Davros, give him give him enough like elastic bands and paper clips, and he can make a Dalek. <laughs> a perfect Dalek. Yeah. 
Just I'm call him the a little guy less... and be done with it. <laughs> I'm a little less impressed by the reconnaissance Dalek in, uh, what's it called, Resolution, that we very recently re-reviewed on Who Back When, where the Dalek builds a shell for itself out of, like, a wing nut and whatever right, else. Right, yeah. It's like, yeah, I mean, this other dude, he, he could do it. <laughs> On a planet with possibly no metal that we know of, like it's it's fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what they? I don't honestly. What what even is the setup with this planet? There's so there's this very elaborate funeral parlor place, which yeah. is filled with people who look like part time nurses who operate as if they're I don't know borderline military. Uh, yeah, yeah, we get to see people wearing two different kinds of uniforms. We get the. What's his name? What is his name? Jobel. Uh, by the way, Hyacinth Bouquet's husband. Yes. Mr. Jobel. <laughs> I did recognize him from Which keeping his appearances. Awesome. That's right. <laughs> he and his minions, I think, are just embalmers. So they are... Nurses is not entirely distant from this because there is a... There's a matter of like interacting with a body and preparing it yeah, for stasis okay, or whatever. Yeah. So there is something like that. There's something medical to it. And then there's another gang who... Maybe have something to do with security. Maybe even politics. I'm I'm not 100 percent sure. The ones who wear you... gold, I think. Gold. Who is wearing gold? Don't they wear gold? Maybe I'm mistaken about that. Maybe they all wear the same color. I kind oh, of shit. Now maybe they were different shades of blue. I kind of felt like they were. Well, they were all wearing blue to start with, but then Doc referenced that as being it was a morning attire. That was the, yes, you're right. And so did they? Well, regardless, everyone we meet somehow is affiliated with this um, yeah. funeral parlor or this. Apart from what seems to be just the two people, is it? It's Kara and... Is that Opal. Madam Eyeshadow? Yes. <laughs> and her secretary slash possibly boyfriend and co-conspirator. Yeah. yeah. Like, as far as I'm aware, they're the only two that were sort of directly involved in the food production side. But then the couple of funeral guys that end up being rebels who call in yeah. the other Daleks, they sort of seem to know about the food production stuff as well. Maybe not that it was humans, I'm not sure. Yeah, what was the I deal did. there? So this is kind of my problem with this serial. There is too much happening, and I... There is a lot. <laughs> yeah, there's so much happening, and I'm not sure that we have enough time to deal with all of it. So so they are, they're labeled body snatchers. They're somewhere in the catacombs because they want to steal back... Her, it's a couple, I think, or at least there's a oh, it's, there's it's a man and a woman, okay. and her dad has just died. Yeah, those two are a different story. I was talking about the two that capture them, mm. actually. So they, yes, they exactly. Are more They're the ones that I thought were wearing gold, but I'm mistaken. Clearly, yeah, maybe they, maybe they do wear something different. They, they have different motivations, it seems, compared to other people. That's for sure. Yeah, they're like security dudes. Yeah, definitely they come across that way. They are the ones, I think, I'm sorry I'm jumping in, but they are the ones that Madam Eyeshadow says, I have handpicked my entire security detail. I think they are part of that security detail. Oh, right. Could well be. And I'm assuming that, I mean, I'm very much just interpreting here now, but since she is presumably aware of the soil and green aspect of this, I think she's sending her security detail after these two so that they don't reveal what's happening to the dead bodies yeah that would kind of track i try to remember because there was a conversation when they've so when the security guard guys have captured the body snatchers there's a whole conversation about them kind of i don't know weirdly uncovering the plot as it as it's seen so i think the, the yeah. female body snatcher is a little bit unaware of or you know she's she's kind of saying I things about blah, 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 blah. yeah and then the the male body snatcher at this point, he's been, like, drugged or something. I don't know. 
And he's he's kind of like mouthing off and just saying, oh, it's everything's bad because the government's corrupt and all this kind of stuff. And he's just giving it all. And she's just saying, I don't know why, but things are bad. And he's going, oh, it's because of all these plots that are happening. And the two guards are just going, yeah, he's right, actually. Like, they know everything, <laughs> but they've just never really thought about it. It's like, yeah, damn it. We probably shouldn't be liquidizing people and eating them. Yeah, I guess that is wrong. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you yeah. hear it out loud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> is this the bit where he don't I know that there's another conversation where someone says it it's been like this since the great healer arrived. Does he also say something to that effect? Yeah, I think maybe he does. And that's because I think that maybe that's then echoed by the beardy most um security guard guy who yeah. then says that later on and to gets bucket. the other Daleks involved to, to get rid of them. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, Okay, hang on. This, this makes no this sense the... to Podcast Land, undoubtedly. <laughs> if they've not seen this episode, they will not understand what we're talking about. So okay, I in, mean, in there's no chance that you're gonna understand. In, in a this couple of seconds. <laughs> let's just regurgitate plot points and people in Podcast Land might then draw their own conclusions about what's happening here. Davros arrives on the planet where they have a funeral parlor. Davros then starts taking the bodies belonging to dignitaries and intelligent people <laughs> and turning them into Daleks. Similar to the whole souffle girl situation. Like he's taking human bodies and turning them through gene manipulation into Daleks. He's mm. also liquefying the dead people who don't qualify to be Daleks, turning them into food, which is being sold by Madame Eyeshadow and her secretary, who revere Davros as the great healer because he can make them immortal, but only in turning them into Daleks, which no one wants. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You've nailed it. And Doc has arrived on this planet because he's there for a funeral that we never see. And he leaves this planet without asking, where's the funeral? We came here to pay our respects. And that's actually just part of Davros's plan to lure him in. Wait, here's the thing. Can we talk? What What is Davros's plan? What is his plan? I mean, the prophet? No. Something about, obviously, He power. does at one point talk about money, weirdly. He does want a lot of money for his plan. Like, he's he's always talking to Kara about getting the money from the food processing so he can continue right. his operations, which I can only assume is to make loads of Daleks and take over the universe. You know, that's... I assume so, yeah. Isn't that the standard shtick? <laughs> Probably. But so, what's his plan with Doc? Well, I guess just the general, Mr. Bond, come here and I will spill all my exposition at you and then put you in a poorly guarded room and <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i think I you're know. right but how about this then i'll ask you a follow-up question he's luring doc there because he knows that doc wants to go to this funeral and that's how he's going to kill doc just like straight up murder doc finally once and for all he's going to kill him why does he have a statue of doc chiseled <laughs> and then thrown onto him, only to reveal it that it's not really rock, and it was just a trick. If I were Doc, yeah, yeah, I'd just I go, can't. right, yeah, I'm not sticking around here. This is clearly a trap. <laughs> I, yeah, I can't answer that one even remotely. I have that as a big question as well. What the fuck was that statue all about? Why wasn't it made of stone? Why did it fall over or slash get yeah. pushed? Why does, what's he called? Jebel? Jobble. What's his name already? Mr. Bucket. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Bouquet. Why is he such a rapist? Sorry? Why is he like a a, a total sexual predator? Well, that, I mean, that's a bigger question. Yes, we can come back yeah. to that. But... <laughs> Sure, but with the whole statue thing, like, <laughs> he immediately appears as if he just pushed it over. But I assume he did. 
But why? Like, he didn't have any instruction to do that. He's well. No, I think he did. I little, think Davros got him to push the statue over. Really? That's Which to me so means pathetic. like. Yeah, and it's also like a shit plan because it's not a real statue. Because if it had been a real statue, yeah. then Mr. Bucket, Mr. Jobel, the sexual predator, would have genuinely murdered Doc. You know what? Here's here's a plan B, Davros. Just a, a, just thinking out loud, have it be a real statue. <laughs> you have now pancaked the doctor. <laughs> and then Doc regenerates. And then, I mean, no, if that's the plan, it's pathetic. Like, there should be a line of Daleks waiting around for Doc to regenerate, if that's the case. Not just... Yeah, I guess so. No one else in the vicinity. Just Doc is just left under a statue of himself, ironically killed by his own, you know, huge face, huge ego, whatever. Yeah. But no, that was just pathetic and weird, is what I would file that under. Yeah, agreed. Here's the thing when it came up in the beginning, as in like when we saw the statue and Colin Baker, who is great, when Colin Baker delivers his reaction to it, the, the whole point of when you travel through space and time, time specifically, sooner or later you'll come upon your own grave. This is actually yeah. not too dissimilar from what we get with Matt Smith later on. The whole transit. Uh, towards yeah. the 50th. Exactly. There's so much gravitas to that. And you can you can tell that there's a lot going on inside the doctor's head. But then it turns out, oh, it's just a papier mache statue. They don't linger on it. We don't, you know, we don't spend any time on it. Doc isn't allowed to dwell on it. So Yeah. It's it. such a pathetic thing. It's like the, yeah, you're right. The idea that there is a statue of Doc his reaction to it of like this is it this is my final regeneration i'm not even going to age much more which could be a hundred years yeah. for a time lord i guess because they don't age yeah, particularly true. quickly we have seen that or at least we've seen that in new who i don't know if that's established in classic at this point but the idea that yeah it's i am seeing the, the remembrance of me as i am now i've got no more regenerations i have to accept this and then immediately it's like, no, it's a, it's a ploy. And it's not even a good one. It's nothing about actually going to kill him right now. It's nothing. It's just, uh, yeah, it just really, really, here's the, here's the intentional pun, falls a bit flat. <laughs> nice. I like that. <laughs> and yeah, completely agree with you. Which was a real shame because actually this getting up to the end of the first episode, I was feeling things were quite good. Like I was really enjoying this this maniac Davros head that we had just spinning yeah. around at such an amazing speed that I was just like, I don't know how they've done this because there's there's obviously someone sat under that. How are they yeah, spinning around so fast? <laughs> and how are they not getting dizzy all the time? And you know, yeah, that's true. It's just it was really that was really cool. Then this this was the first time I kind of felt in Classic Who where they had this. They'd obviously filmed at some modern office building somewhere out in the outskirts, put some statues around the outside. But it looked quite futuristic and, and it alien. Fantastic. They did yeah. did this wonderful map painting behind it to really dial that up a bit as well. Then you get Doc seeing his own statue and coming to the realization of his own mortality. And then it's just, oh, it's all fucking ruined at the start of the second episode. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. There, there are a couple of things in part one as well that I don't like. I mean, the DJ, for example, is... I, oh, yeah, I'm sure. But it's just, Alexis just Sale. It's ending. amazing that it's Alexis Sale. Yeah, yeah. Sorry? But just that, just that ending, like, I felt like it actually was building to a nice thing. And ah, anyway, so, yeah, carry on. Yeah, no, no, I told, you're right. I totally agree. There are fantastic elements to part one already. We've got that set up with the statue. We've got just the fact that people are, they're being buried, but then they're being kept up to date, as in, like, they're, they're kept in stasis, and then they're being kept up to date about current events while they are under, you know, while they're in stasis. That's... 
just as a concept, it's fascinating. That's so cool. But then also, oh, fuck, you have to listen to Lexi Sale as a faux American DJ forever. That's your afterlife. That's horrible. There's that. There's the casket that they're preparing in the beginning that we also see at the end. It's not so much a casket, actually. It's almost like a, I'm thinking like an Egyptian pharaoh kind of situation where yeah. the body is there. It's embalmed, but it has a bronze mask, sort of a death mask. Yeah, it was very, and, very pharaoh. And they say... We need to make sure that she's in a lead-lined casket. We'd never oh, find out detail. why. Yeah, we don't. They never say why, but they like yeah. The the casket is lead-lined, kind of hinting at so no one can X-ray it. And can't remember who's in this casket if they even say, but they can't get out of it because it's lead-lined. So that also is like holy fuck, what's happening here? This is awesome. And we get the weird zombie mutant guy who lives in a lake oh, yeah. <laughs> or lives in a pond. It's like I don't know, man. I mean, as I'm saying these things out loud, I'm kind of thinking, yeah, wait, this is a great serial, but uh, for some reason it doesn't really work. So what I happens think... in part two that ruins it for you? Well, I mean, that start is not great, that's for sure. And I, th- I think it's what often happens with two parts as well. Is there's there's intrigue in the first episode. There's a lot of setup you don't have to worry about how it's all gonna tie in together and then when you have to then bring it all into some kind of sense in part two they don't know what the fuck to do and 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 they introduce more things they bring in or or wait no when does orsini come in is it just part two i think he shows up in part one because in part one we find out that he has a hydraulic leg that sometimes jams and i oh, yeah. felt absolutely certain something's going to happen to this i've noted it down as chekhov's jamming hydraulic leg and i don't think <laughs> it is actually picked up on it's not although jammed. in part two it, i think we see the leg amputated as in i think it's been off. like blown off basically yeah 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 which is pretty cool how do you feel about orsini i think i kind of liked him it was nice a bit... <laughs> They're laboured in the trophy character stakes in some points, but mostly I think I liked him. Uh, I'm glad to hear it. I loved him. (laughs) I thought he was absolutely excellent. I did not understand his weird Sancho Panza squire. What's his name? Bostock? I did not get that character at all. No. But he himself was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, the obsession of, well, not obsession necessarily, but the the laboured reference to just how bad the hygiene was of his squire was just weird. <laughs> and yeah, uh, for no I reason. Don't know. Yeah, Could he have... smells like shit, but he's really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But why? It's not even a thing where he has a disease or he's from a different planet where they, I don't know, for whatever reason, it's offensive in the olfactory sense. (laughs) It's offensive to human noses or whatever. We get nothing about it except that, no, this guy is a massive grosso. (laughs) He smells like shit and he's absolutely gross and revolting and his mouth is full of snot, but you know what? Loyal. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I really don't get it. No. But yeah, Orsini himself, like this idea... I mean, I like it when they bring up a character that Doc recognizes as well. So it's... What was what was the the actual title he had? He was like a knight of something. Knight of the Grand Order of Oberon. Of Oberon, that's what it was. <laughs> it's pretty cool. And oh, I missed this actually. Uh, apparently he was excommunicated from that, but he still follows their rules, whatever. Okay. Right, okay. So yeah, I missed that as well. There's a lot riding in this backstory we never get really of... But you can do it with a little bit of a hand wave of like, oh, he's a knight of the Grand Order of Oberon. And everyone's yeah. just like going, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, <and laughs> we, the audience, just accept that this dude is awesome sort of thing. And then all he has to do is deliver the dialogue of the way he does. And you're like, yeah, this dude is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> 
The, yeah, I mean, I do agree that he is awesome as well. The, the way that it is executed is perhaps a little less so. I, I guess he, he shows a lot of honor in that he, he actually really adores his squire. And when when yeah. is killed, he wants to kind of die alongside him, which is... That's, it's a very sad and very beautiful scene. Definitely. But I never really get a sense of what their friendship is until it's too late, as in, like, until Bostock is dead. Yeah. No, I mean, I guess that's fair. There's just this continual reference of honor, and then yeah, it's like, it's honorable to die with my squire type thing. Yeah, exactly. And also the, uh, this is going to be my last mission. I mean, it's, this is basically a suicide mission, but it's worth it because of the honor that is inherent in it. I love yeah. that scene where he goes... Have you ever heard of a sword? Like, I don't understand why Bostock doesn't go, yeah, you tell me this thing every single day, bro. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, have you ever heard of a sword? And he's got his little cane. <laughs> and he whips out his silver Uzi and goes, this is my sword. <laughs> like, yeah, you're an utter badass, bro. That is awesome. <laughs> I I wasn't quite so sure about that scene. I, I don't know. <laughs> this is in the universe where... You know, Alexi Sales DJ is obsessed with Earth culture because his great granddad yeah. took a trip there Went and there brought once. back some videos or something. It's like, yeah, he's so, like okay, the, uh, Sandra Bullock in Demolition Man. As we've established, I can't remember Demolition Man very well, but fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> but yeah, it's like obviously people know about Earth culture. Some people yeah. are obsessed with it. He knows about swords from multiple other cultures. The idea that Bostock, it would be just totally alien to the idea of some kind of blade. I mean, like, just, I mean, it's a <laughs> really simple a weapon. Point. Just step up from stick, you know, it's that kind of thing. <laughs> great. Like, I don't know. And then and then it turns, yeah, then the whole kind of like, I I kind of like the sentiment, like, this is my sword. And I would have preferred it to be his stick, to be honest, rather than yeah, same. fucking silver same. Uzi. <laughs> silver Uzi is so good. Like, yeah, you're so right. Like, wait, Have you ever heard of a sword? Bostock should just go, yeah, you mean like a larger version of the thing I use to butter my toast with? Yeah, I know what a sword is, yeah. bro. We invented swords before we invented the silver Uzi. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, weirdly enough, we didn't skip over that bit. We didn't go from hitting each other with rocks to, like, waking laser beams in Explosive in projectiles. <laughs> yeah. How no, cool is we, that, though, when hit... he fires the Uzi at the Dalek and it literally just blows the shit up? Not literally, I mean, figuratively. badass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm still not knocking that the, this guy is a dude. Uh, it's mm. just there were some questionable aspects to his dudeness. <laughs> I thought the best thing about him and what really underscores his dudeness is this very Shakespearean air about him. Every single line he delivers is, it should be delivered on stage. (laughs) No, definitely. I mean, to the point where I've just looked him up because I was was convinced I must have seen this guy in something else. Like he has that aura about him. That's true, actually. Nope, don't recognize a single thing he's been in. Like... Maybe I've seen something along the lines because he's been in a lot of stuff, but nothing that jumped out as kind of like, oh, wait, he was that guy? Yeah. But he has that he has that aura of someone who should be a, oh, wait, he's that guy, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I agree. Oh, do you know what he reminds me of? Uh, did you ever watch Game of Thrones? I saw the first couple of series. Okay. Yeah. He reminds me of uh, Sojora Mormont. I think that's his name. Uh, sort of, yeah. In fact, excommunicated... Now of some sort who's a total badass (laughs) yeah yeah true i mean it's i guess it's a trope in itself i mean this is 
I guess so, yeah. Not a million miles away from Han Solo territory as well, just without the the order that, that you've abandoned sort of thing. I'm sure yeah, if you could go back into medieval fantasy stuff there must be hundreds of knights that are doing this kind of shit there's an element of aragorn to him as well i guess as well and yeah yeah okay can i ask a very important question of course who throws a sandwich in a pond <laughs> have you met perry <laughs> <laughs> no that was why did you do that like i i had to like scrub scrub out my note and rewrite it again when it started to make sense as well a tiny bit of sense because i was like is Perry just littering? Has she just turned up on a planet, mumbled to herself a bit, and then just thrown some shit in the river? It's like, what the yeah. fuck's happening here? Yeah, I I think possibly so, yeah. It's really rude. She they're also claims I mean, that they're she's like feeding the fishes, but what? Yeah, no, I don't see that happening. Also, they are there for a funeral, even if she didn't know the person who's passed away. Maybe behave a little, with a little bit more yeah. decorum, you know? Don't just chuck someone's lunch into a pond yeah it's pretty shit like finish the sandwich in the tardis or if you don't like it use what i'm sure are many bins in the tardis (laughs) yes exactly and they're probably they're probably time bins that where it just instantly disintegrates whatever you put into it and it's like it never existed or something but it sends a blank to scotland as well (laughs) oh oh, that that point yeah yeah there's a time lash makes makes (laughs) makes that landing even cushy Cushion, duh. If that's exactly <laughs> even more cushion. <laughs> that's the one. Do you want to talk about Perry in general now? Because yeah, we do that. This is I a feel weird so bad one for, for her again. Yeah, yeah, it's really I mean, tough. What the fuck is all this? Like, it's so so often, and it was so frequent in this serial that it's like, oh, this pretty girl, or basically the number of times she is called pretty, I probably more than I have fingers. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. The one quality that is singled out is her appearance. That's just like a yep. Sobel. Im- Sobel? No, Jobel. What's his name? Mr. Bucket in particular is interested in her solely because he is attracted to her. And the way that he pursues her is so off the chart inappropriate. More so than yeah. I think we've seen on Doctor Who to date. So constantly, like th- there is zero time or attention given to consent. Just constantly going after, trying to touch her, and I think at some point he talks about wanting to kiss her or something, and simply yeah, will yeah. not take no for an answer. The like, only reason it doesn't happen is because she locks herself in the room with the DJ. Yeah, she literally has to defend herself from sexual assault in this serial. Yeah, but that's yeah, exactly. That's exactly what happens, and I don't think we've got that far before. He. Was he, he actually says, those rose-red ruby lips were made for kissing. Yeah. That's just... Yeah. I mean, that's that's inappropriate. But on top of that, he is... I mean, he's physically forcing himself on her as he's saying this. He's, he, he's oh, basically yeah, yeah. backing her up against a wall, but that wall ends up being a door. And she then steps through it and is then... And like yeah. locks it in front of her. Like she's very much cornered. And the the strange thing here to me is that the doctor is the one who goes, yeah, yeah, no, Perry, you should absolutely go with the sexual predator. Even though he can see that Perry does not want to go with him, he still goes, no, no, I think you should go with him because it's safer than if you go with me. Which, to be fair, he is like immediately knocked out and kidnapped by a <laughs> Yeah. But, but Sorry, he could also just say, I think you should go back to the TARDIS, Perry. Or hang about, make sure that you're never alone with this man. Or, or, you know, go and investigate. Do your own thing. Yeah. Because it is weird. Because I actually wrote this down as a plus point to start with before things fully unfold. Wait, what was? This was what, well, the fact that Doc actually talks to Perry. Because I think 
maybe the last serial, serial before, maybe all the serials before, whenever there has been an opportunity where people have been like, oh, why don't we take you on a tour, Perry? Doc has said nothing. Like, she's yeah. just dragged away and, like, Doc's been single-minded on whatever scheme needs to be undone or, or whatever he's investigating. So at least there was a little sidebar where he says, actually, this is probably the safe, safer option for you. I know this guy's a creep, but, you know, you can handle yourself sort of thing. I can't remember sure. exactly what he says, but there's at least a little pep talk. There's an awareness of the situation, which we've not had in the past. But then, yeah, it's still, like, you're sending her off with this sexual predator. Like, maybe yeah. don't do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And she doesn't fend him off. She doesn't necessarily stand up for herself either. It's very much a case of, uh, you know what, I will very politely decline and extricate myself from the situation rather than him facing any consequences. And this is such a weird character, Mr. Bucket, I mean. It's such a weird character because mm. he, I mean, he presents himself as like, hey, my name's Mr. Bucket. Guess what? I fuck. Like he is, he is having sex with everyone everywhere. It seems to be one of the main ways in which he defines himself. Yeah. He has that colleague has who, who has women. a crush on him. Sorry, he has the pick of the women. I think is the pick how he of the women. It. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I don't mean disrespect to the guy, but the fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he does. Not that, exactly he says a charmer. A... No, like his personality is obviously god awful, and mm. like he's not the most attractive man around. But he he does say something along the lines of like fat is in or something, fat is sexy or something like. He I'm says, very I, if I made a note of this line, I love this line. He says, "Fat me, fat my figure is the height of fashion." Oh, okay. So he's not necessarily saying fat is fashionable. He's just okay. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's really weird, and his yeah. His morality is very odd. His loyalty versus, I don't know, he seems quite loyal to the great healer slash Davros, but also I'm pretty sure wasn't joking when he was quite open to the rebellion as well. Like, just mm. seems a very all over the place character with, I mean, maybe that's what they were trying to establish. Just this person has no morals. We'll just go do whatever seems like the best thing for him. I don't know. But it was a just a weird presentation of most of those situations and unclear what was meant to be driving this character. He's one of the people whom Davros has, quote, offered immortality. As in, Davros has said, I'll make you a Dalek and you will live forever. Yeah. And Bucket has declined that offer, presumably because he's really happy with his life of having sex with every one of his co co-workers yeah. and he wouldn't be able to have that lifestyle if he were a Dalek but then it also kind of makes me wonder doesn't that mean that he's now proven himself disloyal to Davros and also is Davros looking for consent I mean the guy whose head is being turned into a Dalek <laughs> not sure that guy consented to being mutated <laughs> no. into one I don't think the dude who lives in a pond asked for it to happen or said, yep, uh, I, I approve this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've signed the T's and C's. No, it's it's weird that Davros is going, here, what do you think? Your game? <laughs> but yeah, that's a very interesting point because I don't think I'd fully processed that. What I had processed was a similar kind of, well, why are they doing this moment with the, the old Daleks, the grey Daleks that turn up later. Yeah. So in the same way that why the fuck is is Davros not just killing people because they say, no, I don't want to be a Dalek. Like, he should be like, fuck you, you don't get a choice. In you go. Bloop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Grey Daleks are also like, 
oh, we're going to take Davros back. We're going to make him stand trial for his crimes against Dalek kind. It's like, I mean, I know he's Davros, but why not just exterminate? This is what you do. <laughs> <laughs> like, when, when did everyone because... get so democratic about <laughs> exact enacting justice or, um, I don't know, whatever? <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's very, very true. Like, hey, every Davros deserves his day in court, that kind of situation. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming that the only reason that they do that is so that we we have Davros escape at the end, just in case we want to bring him back into the show at yeah. some point. Because otherwise, yeah, you're right, they would just laser him. I don't fully remember what this is about. I think this is from Resurrection of the Daleks. But one of my original questions for you was going to be like, what what is the problem that the Supreme Dalek has with Davros's new Daleks? Like, what what's what's the big beef, man? Like, what does it matter? But I seem to recall that in I think it's Resurrection of the Daleks when Davros has been in cryogenic stasis, they thaw him out, and he's doing something. He's like plotting some sort of Dalek rebellion of some sort, and I'm assuming that yeah. they're after him now for that. I kind of forget the details as well, but I, in my head, it's pretty much now, whenever we encounter Davros, there are two things happening with the Daleks. One is Davros wants Daleks that he can control to take over the universe, yeah. and there are Daleks that don't want that anymore. They want Dalek, Dalek for Dalek kind, you know, and right. so they had the Dalek yeah, yeah. Supreme ruling them. Like, they're quite happy having someone command everything. It just shouldn't be Davros anymore. They had their, they had their votes, they cast their... The ballots. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, dude, you lost. Get out of here. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We've got a supreme Dalek now. That's that's the guy. We voted for him. (laughs) I mean, when did this happen amongst the Dalek people? (laughs) Yeah. It seems to be the pattern we have now. I think this is maybe the third serial where this has been the shtick that Davros keeps one in his own loyal Daleks. Mm. As opposed to the rest of the Daleks who have just gone soft. Yeah, I, d- well, I mean, not necessarily soft, but just, yeah, not answering to him anymore. Or maybe they yeah. have gone soft, I don't know. Either way, they have their own ideolo- uh, ideology now. They're, they've yeah. gone in a slightly different direction. In Resurrection of the Daleks, they were keeping him around mostly for his scientific know-how. Maybe that's right, why they yeah. don't kill him now, by the way. Maybe they want to bring him back so that they can put him on ice again and thaw him yeah, whenever fair. they need more Daleks. Or plug him into a computer and just tap his brain when they need to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I guess that's that's kind of fair. It just it just tickled me that yeah, they were literally well, this whole scene, like it's it's a great frustration of mine. I accept that you're not gonna kill off the main character. Like Doc isn't gonna get killed every every episode, that's fine. But yeah, it's always sure. these very convoluted setups where so many people have been killed in this serial up to this point. And then everyone is in this room. Still, some people are getting shot, but it's still, oh no, we're going to shoot. What was it? Oh, Bossok shoots out Davros's hand. He gets shot. Everyone which else is, is trying to, yeah, which is amazing. Everyone else is then a little bit subdued, but they're still just like held at gunpoint. Like the fact Doc is brought in here unharmed. Perry is being captured somewhere else unharmed. Davros gets yeah. led away unharmed. You know, it's just nothing. I don't know. It's just all these really violent situations you place your main characters in. And then when they walk out scot free without a scratch on them, it just feels unrealistic, which is obviously yeah. stupid in this in this environment. Nothing is realistic. But you know what? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But this is, you're right. I agree. And this is kind of what I was uh, hinting at before that 
much of what happens here is then not followed through. I, th I think that translates into the, there's a, an incredibly perilous situation. We're all in this. Oh, we're now just out of it. It's all been resolved. Yeah. And we don't necessarily even see the resolution. It's just people walk out of that scene entirely unscathed. But that it feels like the third act of that little storyline is missing. We just jumped straight to the end. There's a similar thing with the president. The president of what, by the way? I don't know. The president is en route oh, to this yeah. planet. Fuck knows. On a spaceship. And I think it's Madame Eyeshadow who wants to maybe kill the president. Maybe have the Daleks uh, kill the president. I, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, Vogel, Vogel at one point just said, oh, we should just shoot the shoot the ship down. Like, why, why should we let the president learn? Yeah, and, and she says, oh, no, no. Then we're like, we're announcing ourselves if we do that. We shouldn't do that. It needs to be more yeah. tactful. But she clearly wants the president to die so that she can then take over. Like, the president will die and... Maybe she takes over that role and Davros will die so that she can take over the food production company and that way she has like secured her career in a sense. Yeah. But then the way that we jump from the end of Act 2 to the end of Act 3 for the president's survival is just, you know what? Uh, Harry's on a radio. We only hear her side of the, the call while there's lots of distracting rock and roll music in the background. We don't even <laughs> hear a conversation. She's just like, you need to turn around. It's a whatever. Oh, no, I don't know if I got through to them. And then Alexi Sale just goes, no, they heard you. And that's it. The president well, we get to blips watch a, off the a, radar. We're done. Yeah, a little green green dot on a screen move away. It's like, yeah, they heard. Yeah. They're, they're going the opposite direction now. Yeah. Really? It, it's weird. Like, it does feel a little bit like nothing is going to satisfy me. <laughs> because I, I was bitching about the random snake alien race that effectively has a very similar role you know just appears on a screen true does a little bit of interacting with the plot but not much and then buggers off again yeah and i could have lived without that and then they do it here where we do live without it is it's literally just a mention of the president is going to come and then the president doesn't even appear in the slightest yeah exactly. but it still feels it feels weak either way it's like i guess at no point was there enough threat or like dr dramatic stakes of what would happen when the president arrived so when the president doesn't arrive we don't give a shit We'd, we wouldn't give a shit if the president had arrived we wouldn't give a shit if the president had appeared on a screen and said what are all these daleks doing here i'm not landing there fuck you all you know it just would have been <laughs> underwhelming no matter what happened <laughs> Yeah, I suppose so. But if we had seen, if we had had a few scenes aboard the president's ship where the president is just sitting behind a desk and just being presidential and there are people running around and they're just having conversations of a political nature, maybe we learn that the president, you know, like they have really positive, they have really good intentions for whatever, for this part of the galaxy. So that we know that if this president is assassinated, then it will be to the detriment of everyone. But for all yeah. we know, this president is like Trump. <laughs> like, what does that matter? <laughs> we, we have no idea who, uh, who they are or what they stand for or anything. So, well, in fact, I don't even yeah. know what they're the president of. I mean, I assume it's galaxy level stuff because they're coming to a different planet, you know. And That's true, yeah. Although this is kind of the funeral planet, so maybe that's a little bit out of the water. But... The thing I didn't pick up on in the serial, or maybe maybe very towards the end, I, I realized what the fuck was going on. But definitely through looking at the transcript and, and some stuff online, really realized that the person who the funeral is about is the president's wife. Like, this is, Wait, this is big. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> like, I totally yeah. missed that. 
Which then suddenly throws everything into chaos because it's like, wait, the wife of the president is in amongst all of this goings on, and like, there's no, there's no like massive security element here. Like, and the no, fact that the president she's just like coming, on a slab. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's been on this slab or this altar, I suppose, the entire double feature. Nothing. And there's there's the oh my god, you know what just dawned on me? This explains why it's a lead line casket. Uh, JK, no, it explains nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it hints at stuff. Oh, and I don't, I don't feel comfortable in making a guess because it hints at maybe she's been liquefied, and that's a massive problem because the president's going to turn up and go, shit, my wife isn't in this coffin. And so they make it lead lines so no one can tell that she's not in there. Or, you know, there's there's maybe hints towards that, that there's a oh. real risk of, like, destabilizing the power in whatever the society is because the president's going to lose his, his or her shit, that his, his or her wife is no longer there. But none of that is really clarified. And if that's the case, like, so much more should be dedicated to it. The stakes should be raised so highly Absolutely. and then it would justify this little side piece of the president's ship arriving and not arriving in and you're right yeah, we exactly. could fill that with a whole character that like is exuding power and is really going to come here and fuck shit up and even Davros yeah, might, might be reveal that... this plot exactly yeah exactly. doesn't know, has heard about the great healer but doesn't know that the great healer is davros or whatever it might be this president yeah. has been waging their own campaign against the Daleks in a different sector of the galaxy. Like it, it could be so much stuff. Yeah, so much. Like that's the whole side of it that was just tiny little footnotes here and there, and it probably yeah. should have been the biggest thing in this storyline. It was just so weird. Yeah, absolutely. I've just found the notes in the transcript, by the way, and I now feel really bad for not having realized that this was the president's wife. So here's here's the line from it's possibly the first scene. Jobel tells uh, whatever her name is, Tassambeka, Tassambeka, the the woman who's uh, yeah really smitten love, with him in love with Jobel. Yeah, yeah. He says she's already started to froth. We know what that leads to. Thank goodness that the casket is lead lined. I want to see you all in fresh tunic and full funerary makeup before the president arrives. Don't want the poor thing uncertain who the corpse is, do we? Oh, right. Jesus. Okay. I mean, so I, she's... I'm not sure I even understand that. <laughs> so she's Again, in the casket, like... but she started to froth? Is the casket basically the food the... processor? Or she was she was going to be turned into a Dalek, but it didn't work? Because like, maybe that's the, the link to the guy that's running around trying to attack Doc and Perry, who fails to get hypnotized you know because what happened to him why isn't he a dalek or why isn't he food like he's oh yeah he's nothing of those two he's something in the middle and yeah. it's like yeah i mean i wouldn't say that it's he's just frothing though no but he maybe is the next stage like he's very yeah bubonic plaguey <laughs> um yeah oh very the much next so. stage is, is all of that starts frothing and oozing and Maybe it's very unpleasant. Yeah. Who knows? We don't know because no one fucking tells us. <laughs> no one tells us. How did he escape? Did he escape? Did they let him out? Were they just like, actually, this is a failed experiment. We don't need him. Chuck him out the window. Why is he in a pond? I don't know. I'm not even sure if that was the same person from the pond. Was it? Was that? Because the, the Wait, pond thing. Not? In the pond, we see a I hand, like a gross yeah. mutant hand. The gross mutant hand grabs the roll. Yeah. And then there's a weird like explosion underwater. And Doc and Perry reacted to that, where I thought, basically, whatever creature ate that roll, it was really bad for them. (laughs) (laughs) 
And oh, that's I, interesting. Yeah, I, really I, I just assumed it was he was something of, else. Oh, I see. I thought it was just oh wow, it's so happy to have a sandwich that it's like really scrambling for it, and we just hear it's not an explosion; it's more like splish splashing in the water. But then, I mean, why is it in the pond? Do. Is it in the pond because they like flushed it down the toilet inside the catacombs or whatever, and it comes out in this pond? Like, I, I don't understand. I have no idea. Uh, yeah, speaking I mean, of the catacombs, do you know sorry. what I really love? Oh, sorry, go for it, sorry. Oh, no, I'm just expressing my disbelief at how weird everything is. <laughs> what do you love? <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, I, I I really like the decor of Davros's lair. I mean, I don't understand why he feels he needs a lair, but I like that there's skeleton David in there and a decapitated statue and some kind of bishop as a statue and whatever else. Like, <laughs> why? I don't know why, but it's great. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was kind of nice. It was strangely small. The room that he was in. Yeah, considering that that there was then this. I can't remember, the, the experiment room, I think, he, I think he said that the brains in the jars actually were just experiments. They weren't anything particularly important. But the one that the body okay. snatcher people keep stumbling over and then try and blow up at the end. And somehow, I don't know, it really looked like the male body snatcher guy starts filling around with the console in front of the three brains in tanks. Yeah. And then a Dalek appears. Like, it looked like he went, boop, 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 I've just summoned a Dalek. And I think Davros does that. I think Davros says something like, um, reconstitute a drone or something like that. And that's why the glass Dalek appears, I think. Okay. But it was, I'm not sure know, how all, he knows why and weird. where and how and so on. But I, yeah. I think that's per the orders of Davros. How is disappointing that because... is it when she points a laser at the tank and goes, I'm going to do this. And then it just is the most flaccid laser. Oh, yeah. Then it's like, how is there a teleporting Dalek here? Is it because this little plate is a transmat plate or something? Yeah, so. I don't know. It's whenever I see some random piece of technology being used just once in a serial, I'm like, well, why the fuck are all the other Daleks going round down corridors and stuff? Why don't you just have teleporters everywhere and they can just go from important room to important room? Easy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Why are the Daleks translucent when, like, what is a glass Dalek? What, what is that? Because once they've been turned into proper Daleks, they are no longer made of glass. What? The, the, I love it. Yeah, the, don't get me wrong, I love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I don't want to pick it apart too much because I also love it. I don't know. <laughs> is it just like that bit in um, The Fifth Element where they're, like, reconstituting the supreme being from everything and it's like skeleton first and then from a hand then muscle. Yeah, yeah yeah and then that's possible oh, yeah yeah that's very shine uv on it and the body will react and generate skin is like well Gross the skin, going exactly. through that as well yeah and the outer shell that's will very be the possible. final thing. oh my god i really want i want to see the dalek i want to see the scene of the dalek getting you know the white bandages over its dalek boobs <laughs> Uh, there are many things on the internet. Maybe if you search hard enough, you'll find it, Leon. <laughs> <laughs> this might. Dialing back a little bit, because we've mentioned her a couple of times now, I think. We haven't really talked about Tassim Baker, Tassim Becker, whatever the hell yeah. she's called. Because <laughs> <laughs> she gets a lot of screen time, and I don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I'm not not convinced this is high quality acting for a start. I don't. I think you're you're onto something there, definitely. <laughs> and then, yeah, the I mean, the whole setup of her being in love with this absolute disgusting guy is weird. Yeah, this massive creepoid. She she's sort of then the second in command and is ordering around 
some of her colleagues and Davros is like, oh, I like people who can order other people around. You can come yeah. work for me directly. And then uh, nothing and much you... happens with that. Like she gets yeah. offered the same thing that Jabelle got offered. Kind of says, and, yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, she says, that's an that's an offer I can't refuse. And I get the sense that she's saying that because if she were to refuse it, she would get shot. But then, yeah. because there's a Dalek plunger right next to her as she says this. And then <laughs> yeah. r- immediately thereafter, she goes straight to Mr. Bucket and basically spills everything. Like just tells him, yeah. Davros wants to kill you. You're not safe here. We should leave together. And that's... I mean, it, it, it's weird because that seemed at the time like, mm, is she being, re- is she doing a really nefarious clever here? Is she doing this? Yeah. She knows that there's CCTV everywhere. Why is she talking to, to Bucket in this, in this manner? I mean, they all fucking know that they, like Bucket has been into that room as well and has Bucket knows exactly what's happening. The if the frothing is the whole Dalek situation, then, and he's been made the offer to be turned into a Dalek. Yeah. It's just. Oh, it's so frustrating. Like, what is going on this, me. in this world? Yeah. She stabs him in the heart, but then but the that, Daleks kill her. Yeah. I, this is exactly what Davros understand. asked her to do. She did exactly what he asked. <laughs> yeah. And doesn't Davros like... I mean, I guess it's because she does it for emotional reasons. She doesn't do it because he told her to. He does it because Bucket is a complete Buckethead. And she, yeah. <laughs> she's just like, oh, fuck you then. <laughs> if I can't have you, no one will. <laughs> Which is just horrible. And yeah, it, it was just, that was like the most pathetic scene in this entire serial was the whole like, oh, I love you so much. Oh, die. <laughs> just fucking hell. What is this? <laughs> yeah, I couldn't relate to that in on any level. None of it resonated for me. None of it came across as particularly realistic. And her portrayal of this character is just so... So OTT. Yeah. It's just really, really poor. But then I, yeah, I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand what their rapport is, as in her rapport with Bucket. And I don't understand what the deal is that she strikes with Davros. This is the, why I'm not going to give this a super high rating, unfortunately. No. It's this kind of shit. Ugh. I mean, the, the, there is this massive hole of everyone seems to know that if you get summoned to the great healer, you get turned into a Dalek. Because no one is going to come back, apart from Jabal. Yeah, that's true. Who's going like, to run this facility after... Oh, that's true, yeah. But he's the only one, and, presumably. Yeah, so the number of people... like, And they're feeding an entire galaxy. I'm pretty sure this is Are established. All of, all of this food processing and sending it out, all the scheme that Kara has is galaxy-level shit. So the amount of people they must be liquidizing to turn... <laughs> into Soylent Green to feed the galaxy, which then they're just going to handily swap out with plants. Yeah. Like, it's just, no, there would be no one left alive and everyone would be like, great healer my ass, great murderer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Maybe I don't want to drink a corpse-flavoured Capri Sun, thank you very much. How, (laughs) how, what? (laughs) Pretty gross and pretty grim and kind of unrealistic if this is the i mean it's possible that they're giving way more attention to the president's wife because it is the president's wife and that everyone else just goes through this facility soil and green style you know maybe it's just a conveyor belt and dead bodies go through it and they turn into yeah soil and green but they don't have the resources for this basically yeah i mean not not enough people die in a galaxy to feed the rest of the people that are alive like they have to be killing and you know what else 
I would have been slightly less unconvinced had I ever seen anyone eat on this planet. We never get to see anyone eat or drink or anything, you know. So if we have yeah. that scene of the equivalent in Sword and Green where he's, you know, he's biting off a bit of Sword and Green and someone says like, oh, I can't believe you eat that stuff. Yeah, then I get it. <laughs> if we never see a, a ship take off with, oh, they're just sending a new container load of soil and green to the Alpha Quadrant. You know, there's nothing like that. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, the whole food production thing seems like a bit of a side point. And again, it's yeah. like, this is a major, major thing. It's, yeah, agreed. Uh, can I point out a missed opportunity in this context? You brought up the plants. The missed opportunity oh, yes. for me here is, why don't we get Perry to come up with that solution? She's the botanist. Yes. You know what, actually? I mean, you have a better thought of this, a better take of this than I do. My thought was, fuck, I don't know when Perry leaves, actually. Is this a Perry exit episode? Because she's going to stay behind <gasps> and engineer their switchover. Yeah, yeah. Which obviously doesn't happen. But yeah, you you make the very good take as well that she should have had this idea. Like, yeah. Yeah, and she, she, I mean, she could have just gone... Oh, wait, you need protein? This this reminds me of the... And then she, you know, spelled some Latin floral term. It was a, it's yeah. a great source of protein if you only do X, Y, Z to it. And Doc goes, yeah, brilliant, exactly. Perry. Fantastic. Done. At least she gets to do something positive, you know. You get the Retro Rewrite Medal Award. Oh, thank you. Medal Award? Da, da, da. <laughs> It'll be like the Chewbacca moment. <laughs> Finally yes. gets a medal. <laughs> okay, so... That is, uh, that's one point. Anything, anything else we should discuss? Well, we could perhaps talk a little bit more about the DJ if we felt like it. Because I fucking hate that guy. <laughs> so, yeah. Yikes. I only know Alexi Sale as the guy who did the stand-up bits on The Young Ones. But he's right, a bit yeah. of a legend in this country, right? Like, he's he's a persona. Yeah. I mean, he, I'm not quite sure all the things he's done, to be honest. I think he's, I think he's probably a writer as well. He, he's definitely okay. had his own stand-up show for a while, which I remember seeing bits of. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's been in the public eye his entire career. I think he's quite outspoken politically as well and stuff like this. Hmm. And yeah, he's a good actor, comedian to get on your show. Maybe at this point wasn't massively well known. I'm not quite sure, actually. But it feels <laughs> like, feels like a waste for a character that I am imagining I can probably say is universally hated. <laughs> Speaking of which, there were lots of other people considered for the role of the DJ, including some like universally loved people. Uh, David Bowie was apparently uh, floating oh, around wow. as a candidate for this character. Yeah, but at some point they wanted to have actual DJs slash actual VJs <laughs> taking on this role, and among others, Jimmy Savile was one of the candidates. Oh God. Oh, okay, yeah. dodged the bullet there. To put this into context, this was written by Eric Seward, who we talked about this before we press record. He wrote The Visitation, Earthshock, Resurrection of the Daleks, A Fix with Sontarans, and then this one. This is his last one. And A Fix with Sontarans is that special episode of Jim will fix it. Podcast land, maybe just, maybe just look it up on Google. It's it's, it's not great. but <laughs> I'm, I'm, for the record, pretending it doesn't exist. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So there was a special Doctor Who episode, oh sorry, Doctor Who sketch written for Jim will fix it called A Fix with Sontarans. I, I watched it just very recently because chronologically it comes right before this one. Like it adds, right, okay. I, I think possibly days before part one of this serial and written by the same guy. And so clearly there's already kind of a BBC connection there with uh, Jimmy Savile and that's probably why they're thinking, hey, let's just recast him as this as well. Great. Mm. It was 
since then, because season 22 was recently released on, um, I want to I say Blu-ray, certainly on DVD, and A Fix with Suntorans is on there, and it's been recut. It no longer features Jimmy Savile. It's been, it's been changed oh, around. Oh, wow. Okay. So it is now just sort of a standalone, non-canonical little Whovian skit with zero yeah. Jimmy Savile in it. But you can see, I don't have that box set, but you can see both versions of the scene on YouTube. Uh, and uh, or daily motion maybe i can't remember now and it's yeah uh a fix with sometimes the original cut it's so uncomfortable it's really it's horrendously uncomfortable and imagine if oh jimmy savile had also been in this like how much screen time he would have had yeah that's yeah uh, and it's also certainly... i mean if we're on that maybe we shouldn't maybe we shouldn't talk too much about this but just as like a kind of parting note on that perry would have been backing away from a sexual predator in order to lock herself in a room with jimmy savile oh god yes yeah oh my exactly. goodness so thank goodness he wasn't cast here oh yeah yikes. that's true yeah okay Staying on the DJ though, because yeah. oh sorry, <laughs> I don't know, don't know about you, but I got a massive vibe that someone had either just read, heard, possibly even watched at this point, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and oh, they were trying to get some of the vibe, the comedy from Hitchhikers into this Doctor Who serial yeah, using this DJ, that. and I just and it belly flops. Yeah, oh yeah, it just doesn't land at all. It just comes off yeah. as shit. I mean, my, yeah, that's, my two oh, notes... I like that as a reading. Yeah, I mean, I could be totally off, off the mark. When when did the TV Hitchhikers come out, actually? It was definitely early 80s. Oh, yeah, certainly before this. 1981, yeah. So they've had some years to digest it, it to implement them. Yeah. The radio show came out way before this as well. I just, I mean, it, it, main, it mainly makes me think of the restaurant at the end of the universe. There's the compare guy who is the same kind of caricature in a slightly different mm. form, but pulls that off in both the radio show and the TV show with this kind of charm that you expect with a compare type person. And also has this sort of underpinning of this is my job. Don't push me because it's still just a job. I'm, you know, I'm going to turn on you. Whereas I don't yeah, know, Alexi Sales, exactly. DJ yeah. here, I don't know. It's just for, for all intents and purposes until like Perry actually meets him in person is just annoying. 100% annoying. Yeah. And I don't buy for a second the fascination that she has with this character. Like even when she sees him in the beginning on screen, she's just like, oh, I love him. That's so funny. That's so great. That's fantastic. No, yeah. it really isn't. And then she meets him and she goes, oh, I, I, it's almost like I've, I, I feel a little homesick when I hear your accent. Well, like when I hear your clearly decidedly fake american accent i do feel a little homesick because in case no one noticed my accent is also decidedly fake yeah i i don't buy into it at all yeah no that's fair it was it was a shame because I, I didn't recognize him as alexi sale to start with as well because he does a lot of outfit changes i think it was only one of them where it finally kind of like clicked so my first two notes are literally about well for a start he's one of the characters that is also going on about how pretty or actually not not necessarily saying pretty, but just identifying Perry as a female. And it's like, oh, those are appreciative of the female form. Look at this wonderful oh, woman right. that's basically just being attacked by someone. Uh, I don't know. Weird, weird shit going on with the first yeah. uh, introduction we have of the DJ, I think. And then, then my next note about the DJ is just, this DJ can fuck right off. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So uh, uh, this raises another point that I hadn't considered. What I mean, he's the guy who's 
keeping the people in stasis up to date on goings on. Who cares about what happens in this facility? Like, why is he not talking about the latest in, you know, galactic culture or galactic politics? Why is he talking about, oh, someone's running down a corridor. Oh, my God. Isn't that amazing? For those of you who like the female form, I don't know. I'm in stasis, bro. Then here's a woman (laughs) who's running down a corridor. It's like, I don't care about corridors. Yeah, it just makes no sense. Like this whole setup, like from what I can gather as well, is like it's theatrical because everyone's dead. Like they're they're pretending yeah. that they're in stasis, but either they're in stasis because they haven't liquidized them yet, or they've already been liquidized, or they've been turned into Daleks, or I don't know, whatever. But his role is redundant. The fact that he's a DJ rather than a news presenter is just stupid, and yep. he's annoying as fuck. It's just yep, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I I didn't manage to talk you up at all. No, I'm sorry, you didn't. I'm really sorry. (laughs) I now also kind of have a number in my head. (laughs) Can I bring up one bit of trivia uh, of a sort before we launch into our ratings? So this was, this is the final episode of season 22. And season 23, the next season is the Trial of a Time Lord season. So there was a massive gap between these two seasons. I'm not sure actually how long a gap. I, I saw this on two different websites. One said six months, the other one said 18 months between these seasons and um, I should should just check the date on TARDIS wiki I'm not sure now regardless that was not meant to be the next season there was a there was another serial planned and I can't remember what it's called but there was a serial planned which would bring back the um, the toy maker who's going to show up very very soon played by what's his face Barney Stinson it it was going to be another serial with the the toy maker I don't know if it was going to be set in Blackpool but the line that Colin Baker says uh oh i know i'll i'll take you to and then it cuts oh yeah the line was originally i'll take you to blackpool and uh it was going to launch into just another season that season got cancelled and in a sense this is sort of the beginning of the end of doctor who because a season got cancelled while the show was just sort of on hiatus and then it got brought back with a completely new season which was trial of a time lord wow so this is like the first death rattle of the show in a sense interesting yeah so this aired in march 1985 trial of the time lord september 1986 right wow it's quite a gap yeah that's 18 months Oof, it's a feeling we're quite used to now with new who (laughs) yeah that's true but i guess during those 18 months people probably thought oh it has been cancelled like it's it's done at least for a chunk of that time so yeah what a way to go eh if that had been the case anyway shall we try to rate this oh we better have a go i suppose (laughs) and now it is time to rate this did we laugh or hate this bing bong bing bong hey la 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 ratings top of our podcast land welcome to the hour rating section of this podcast episode heads up we're gonna blitz through the rest of this episode in no small part because i'm really flagging post covid jab jim has very elegantly touched the tip of his nose with the tip of his finger and uh, thus uh, i'm gonna start i have made zero notes zero notes for my mini so great (laughs) (laughs) this serial is ambitious like it is it, it starts so many threads and it builds what seems to be the foundation of such a rich world but none of it is wholly convincing to me. And I think uh, however long we've talked today, I think this conversation has kind of hinted at the fact that this foundation is 
cracking. <laughs> There's, it's not particularly convincing. I don't like the treatment of Perry in this. I feel like Doc went there for a funeral and then kind of forgot about it. So that doesn't really uh, uh, tally with me. Davros is fantastic. He's very Davrosy, and maybe that's one of few pluses for me. Like, in, okay, you know what? In general, great ideas. I like Davros, Sajora Mormont, and the concept behind the Soylent Green and and, and all that stuff, and the the Souffle Girl kind of Daleks. But this episode ultimately fails for me because of its incredibly lacking rewatchability. I I. You know what? I never want to see this serial again. Like I'm done with it. <laughs> I, I, Alexi Sale was was terrible in it. I mean, Alexi Sale was Alexi Sale, but this is not the right forum for it. It just doesn't feel like Doctor Who in a sense. All of these plot lines are left dangling at the end, and and it's it's a bit of a pity. So okay, you know what? Oh, th- see, this is why this is why scripting a mini or writing bullet points is a good idea. Here are a couple of. <laughs> that I had noted from my, my regular notes that we never picked up on. Much like the Master and the Rani, Perry's coat and beret cut from the same cloth. Random observation. Holy smokes, we get to see uh, Davros's blown-off fingers on the floor, and then hilariously, as he is taken out of the room by the Daleks, Doc offers to shake his hand <laughs> and then oh, retracts it, and there's only a, a stump there. So cold-blooded and... <laughs> awesome oh and possibly the best looking flat screens <laughs> and kind of sultry computer voice we have had in classic who to date hats off this serial but <laughs> apart from that sorry i'm just not in i'm reaching into the ether i'm gonna give this 2.0 oh oh wow yeah. okay sorry yeah I, I did fail to talk you up at all so it's fair <laughs> i'm so sorry <laughs> Okay, 2.0. Good stuff, Mr. Leon. Thank you very much. Pleasure. I mean, I also don't have many notes, and I can only really concur with what you've said. I mean, oh, we've, no. we've discussed a lot and mostly agreed on everything. I would I would add to your pile of problems that there's not enough Colin Baker in this. I think oh, that's, that's such a good a point, yeah. Because at least in the past, we've been able to go, and Colin Baker is still a dude, and he yeah. is a dude. <laughs> There's very little opportunity for him to be such a dude in this yeah. serial, I feel, which is a shame. There were some gorgeous models in this. The explosion yes, at the end. beautiful miniatures. All model work. We see the ship, the Dalek ship taking off with, mm. you know, the fact that Davros has been saved. We get a nice, it's very brief, but we get that nice little moment where Perry is just like remorseful of accidentally killing the diseased guy who is then just yeah. like the politest about it all. Is like, oh, not to worry. It's probably better that I die now. And she, yeah, she, <laughs> I killed him and he forgave me. <laughs> Like, it's just nice and weird at the same time. The, like, actually, the Doc and Perry interplay was kind of nice in a lot of places. This weird thing where they they can't find a door into the, the fucking funeral parlor. They're just walking along this massive wall. So there must be an entrance somewhere. And then just end up giving each other a little leg over to get up over the wall. And as part of that, Doc drops the, oh, I'm a 900-year-old Time Lord, don't you? you know? <laughs> like, it's, it's a bit hard for me to do these <laughs> physical things all the time. <laughs> And in the process, he gets his pocket watch broken, which I felt was like a checkoff moment as well, but meant really nothing anyway. Yeah, true. But yeah, the 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 problems we've pointed out with the plot, the motivation of your evil characters. Why is there a fake Davros head? Like, I love the fucking Davros spinny head thing, but why is it fake? What the hell was that all about? Has he cloned himself? I mean, that was the Davros that was doing everything, and suddenly is like, nope. <laughs> 
Fake Davros. <laughs> didn't see that coming. Of course I didn't Just in case see that coming. someone makes why, their way in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why why would anyone see that coming? That was just stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that fucking DJ, the the gun that is firing rock music. I mean, it's just oh, yeah. all of these it's... things. Honestly, if they had been penned by Douglas Adams and done with humor, maybe it would have been okay. But as part of Doctor great. Who, what the fuck are you doing, man? No, don't yeah. do that to me. <laughs> yeah, agreed. I like that we had an explanation as, as hand-wavy it was, as it was why Davros is alive again. We didn't get that with the Master, that's for sure. God, I don't know. Like Some of the characters were just annoying, superfluous, all of the above. Davros mentions consumer resistance to... Like, like he's some business guru now. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of like the line, but it was it was weird coming in from him. Yeah, it's just it's all over the shop. It, I mean, it it feels like basically someone just having constant moments through. Let's say a fortnight. They kept waking up, and it was just like, wait, what if Davros' head person is a decoy? Wait, what if we have a sort of narrator that is a DJ pretending to do American stuff because he's found videos from Earth? And it's just like yeah. a million, million kind of what they thought were light bulb moments. And it's just like, let's put them all in this thing. And it's like, no, 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 you can't just do that. It's like, you have to explain things. You have to justify things. And yeah, we don't get that in this serial. I was being generous before saying that they did at least wind over the same kind of similar plot versus what normally happens where they're just totally irrelevant and don't cross over. The weird thing is, though, when I finished watching this and we had a little preamble before starting, realized I hadn't written down a number, thought I should do. I wrote down 3.6. Fuck wow. that shit. No, no, no. 2.9. <laughs> 2.9. I mean, that that seems a little bit closer to the real thing to me. Yeah. Wow. Oh, dude, your heart is enormous. <laughs> yeah. It, it still feels, actually, after that drop, it's still like, no, maybe 2.9 is too high. But no, it, it's not terrible. <laughs> it's really not terrible. It's just so many things frustrate me. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Dude, excellent mini. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a pity that we're not that enthused by this, but hey, yeah. it is what it is. You can't love every episode. Listener minis. Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Kablamatron, Podcast Land. We are in the Your Minis section of this podcast episode. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop, whoop. We've got absolute tons of minis for this one. Clearly, a lot of people have a lot of opinions about it. Apologies, Podcast Land. I mentioned before, we're going to blitz through this bit. And here's what we're going to do. We are going to, as per usual, read three of these minis in full. And for the others, we're going to do some snips in the sense that we're going to give you name, rating, and Twitter shout out or social shout outs. And for the rest of it, please, we implore you to go to whoback1.com and to read all of these minis in their full, unsnipped splendor here we go indeed right rooney and cheesecakes who we got first out the gate why it's one of these jim <gasps> new, new reviewer. reviewer hello it's david levine hello david welcome hello. welcome welcome david. <laughs> welcome indeed David starts, Revelation of the Daleks is such a fun story, even if it is a bit overflowing with plot and characters. The Doctor and Perry almost seem like part of an ensemble cast rather than the stars of the story. 
The supporting characters are wonderful. Orsini, Bostock, Kara, Vogel, Tasambika, Jobel, Takis, Lilt, Natasha, Grigory, The DJ, and Davros. Holy smokes, that is an ensemble. Most of them are dead by the end, but they are all pluses in my book. Orsini and Bostock, what a pair! <laughs> I wouldn't have minded seeing a set-piece intro for them before they were summoned by Kara. Agreed. Tazambika was annoying, but she played her part well and felt real. Mm, okay. Jobel was a piece of work, blinded by his own image of himself, such that he couldn't see how he was responsible for his own death. The DJ stood out like a sore thumb. He didn't feel like he belonged, but he did add some color to the story. David continues, How come Davros recognized the Doctor, but the Dark Grey Daleks didn't? That seemed odd. Davros mm. was great as usual. He was so passionate, so intense. It's a shame that we didn't have more budget or time to devote to this story. I think another 45-minute episode would have really helped to pace the story a little better. And so David says, I rate this story for Knights of the Grand Order of Oberon out of five. <laughs> Mostly for the supporting <laughs> cast, with another closing remark of a great supporting character or cast can really make all the difference. Definitely. So says Dalek Dave Levine. <laughs> <laughs> awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. He's also included links to two parts of a proper full uh, write-up of a review of this particular serial on his TV and movie blog called Small Screen Crawls. It's on Blogspot. You'll find the link on uh, on whobackone.com. Very cool stuff. Thank yes. you very much for sending this in, David. Uh, Great and first welcome aboard. Mini. Yeah, welcome aboard. Yeah, spectacular. Send more, please. Yes, please. I keep um, coming. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you travel alongside us on this uh, temporal road. Who's next? Why, I think it's someone we haven't heard from for a little while. I don't even remember if there's a jingle for this. It's... I'm not sure there is. Dan from Devon. Dan from Devon. I don't know. That didn't work. It's Dan from Devon. <laughs> Hello, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Dan. Dan starts. Revelation is a funny one. It's got some original and darkly comic ideas, memorable visuals, and impressive performances, especially Terry Malloy and William Gaunt. Not sure who Terry Malloy is, but William Gaunt is Davros. Orson. Oh, Terry, Terry Malloy is Davros, of course. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Apologies. Dan, of course, continues because that was just one sentence. But all of these are undercut by terrible pacing. How mm. long before Doc turns up and does anything? Some of the worst acting that Equity had to offer in 1985. Hello, Jenny Thomason. <laughs> I'm oh, guessing no. that is our favorite <laughs> Joe Bell loving character. Whatever, I'm assuming yeah. so. Yeah, yikes. And that characteristic Eric Sword blend of callous brutality and brash 80s styling. That always makes me feel a bit queasy. Ooh. Dan continues, Colin does his best with what he's been given, but a full seven adventures into his run, Sixie is still hard to love, particularly when he's talking to or ignoring Perry. If he'd had a companion like Evelyn who could take him down a peg or two, his sharper corners might have been smoothed off a bit. But as it is, season 22 always feels to me like watching two of my best friends splitting up in public. <laughs> so after all that dan says all in all maybe the hiatus wasn't such a bad thing Ooh. and he gives us a most appropriate quote it's creepy and it'll get a lot creepier oh, what does yikes, dan rate yeah. this dan rates this 2.2 bad wigs out of five <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> fantastic rating system <laughs> 
<laughs> you know what? I didn't realize it was a wig until he died. So actually, in my book, great wig. <laughs> I actually don't even know what the hell we're talking about. So really good wig. <laughs> Mr. Bucket. Mr. Bucket, when he dies, oh, his right. hair falls off. Yeah, oh, okay. Like, oh, right. Yeah, oh, no. Yeah. yeah, that was a toupee. Yeah, okay. <laughs> actually, yeah, well, my wig radar is clearly off. Uh, Dan, <laughs> awesome mini. Thank you very much for sending that in. Who's next? It's dum, dum, dum. Ken from Australia. Ken from Australia. Dum, dum, dum. Ken from, Australia. from Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Probably terribly out of sync. <laughs> Hello, Caleb. Hello there, Caleb. Caleb starts, apologies for not writing in for what feels like the duration of my favourite season of Doctor Who. Oh, interesting. And now you have reached the cream of the crop. Bellissimo. C'est magnifique. Revelation of the Daleks was my first and endures as my favourite. My gateway into horror and blunt sarcasm at the age of six. Oh, wow. (laughs) What a start. Steeped in atmosphere, its concepts are just as genius as they are hideous, aided by the bitey dialogue written by Eric Saward. Some highlights include, I hope they're on time. She's already started to froth, and we know what that leads to. Thank goodness the casket is lead lines. Mm. Uh, Another highlight is, but did you bother to tell anyone they might be eating their own relatives? Certainly not. That would have created what I believe is termed consumer resistance. Yeah, I agree to disagree there of that being a highlight. Anyway, Caleb continues. The Doctor and Perry continue to exemplify their affection for one another, tinged with juvenile teasing. I find their relationship almost familial, endearing, and quite different from any other Doctor companion duo in the past. Mm. Each supporting character has been crafted with care and is immediately memorable. They make the frosty planet of Necros feel like a, brackets mal, functioning, lived-in place. Nice. Caleb also notes that the score from Roger Lim is one of my favourites and perfectly complements the heightened direction from Graham Harper, who never fails to highlight the exquisite art direction. Mm. Mm. So, Caleb, well, Bokkelin, <laughs> podcast land. Caleb finishes with these thoughts. I wish I could continue complimenting this story, but for now, I conclude by giving it a score of five out of five. <laughs> I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> Oh, Caleb. Molly. (laughs) Wow. And the Oscar for biggest heart goes to. (laughs) That is awesome, Caleb. If this was your, this was the first serial that you ever watched, I get it. Uh, Of course. One never forgets one's first. (laughs) Very nice stuff, man. Excellent. Thank you so much. Really good stuff. Thank you, Caleb. Right. Only uh, snips henceforth. First snip comes from Stephen from Canada. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Stephen. Stephen says, overall, this story earns 4.9 little Davros finger chunks out of five. Holy oh, wow. smokes, another huge heart. That's a lot of finger chunks. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. People can find Stephen at S. Andreachen. Nice. Next That's clip. Better, of course. Yeah. Next up, we've got Mr. Kieran Evans. What up, Kieran? Kieran says that there are some nice ideas and some Dalek on Dalek action and Daleks going boom. Uh, I suppose you can't complain too much. 3.4 out of 5 falling fake statues. Mm-mm-mm. Nice. Nice. Tasty. Yeah. Uh, Kieran can be found wherever you buy your electric vehicles. Uh, for example, KJ Evans 2. Thanks, Kieran. That's 2, the number. Yes. Good <laughs> stuff. Thank you, Kieran. Gracias. I don't know why I said that. Who's next? <laughs> It's uh, none other than Richie von Sexington. Hello, Richie. Richie, 
says the score is 3.4 pointless non-death scenes involving non-tombstone tombstones. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's a great rating system. And people can say hi to Richie at Richie Sexington. All in one word for your convenience. Thank you, Richie. Nice. Thank you, Richie. Who have we got next? Well, next up is Ed Corbett or Ed Corbett. It's one of those. That's right. It's Ed. Hello, Ed. Hello, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't give us a witty scoring system, so let's just go with this very simple number of 4.1 out of 5. Awesome, Ed. Holy smokes, I'm starting to feel like maybe our hearts aren't quite so big. (laughs) Yeah, maybe, maybe. I feel like he was justified, though. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Ed. Next up, we've got Bob Balderdash. Hello, Bob. Hello, Bob. Bob. <laughs> Bob says, all in all, a 2.44 ways of pronouncing the name Jobel out of five. <laughs> <laughs> nice. nice one. Thank you, Bob. Um, next up, Thank we've you. got Neil. Hello, Neil. I don't know where I'm going Hello, to Neil. Hi. Andrew Zamani. <laughs> Neil rates this. A much more sensible rating, I feel. 2.8 out of 5. Yes. Nice. Not we found our friend to agree with us. Yeah, Yeah, nice. here we go. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Actually, sorry. well, I mean... Bob was uh, as well. Bob's rating is pretty yeah. good as well, I was going to say. Yeah. yeah, it's solid stuff. Jump on board <laughs> on the two-point-something train. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And do high-five Neil online. He can be found at Neil Andrazoni and... At Neil James Actor. That's... Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Neil. Who's last? It's never done other than GP Haynes. What up, GP? I said G. You say P. G. P. G. P. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, GP. Hello, GP. GP gives this a rating of 1.7 disappointing great healer experiments. (laughs) Mmm, nice. Oh, 1.7, hey? Yeah, see? Uh, we didn't give this the lowest score. <laughs> no. Yeah, that is reserved nice, for GP. GP. Yeah. Thank you very much for sending that in. People who are not GP, go to Instagram and look for this on YouTube at Finding G-Spots. No spaces or hyphens for your convenience. <laughs> wow, Thank that was you, it. everyone who sent in a mini. Yeah, thank you, everyone. Fantastic stuff. Please, everyone who uh, either sent or did not send, please, everyone, head on over to whobackone.com and read all these snipped ones in their full splendor. Fret not, this is not the last of Doctor Who. There's plenty more left to review. In fact, next up, what do we got? We're back in New Who territory with Spyfall Part 2. After which, Ooh. 18 months into the chronology, what are we doing, Jim? Well, we're only going to get into the first part of the Trial of the Time Lord, the Mysterious oh Planet. I'm, I am so excited. I've heard of the Trial of the Time Lord for, I, I don't know, years Decades. and years and years. I have no idea what to expect. Cannot wait. Mm, me too. At some point in the not-too-distant future, hopefully, we will also be doing a uh, venture into Audio Who Land. There will be a review of The Gathering. And at some point, there will be a bonus, I'm sure. Probably. To be, yeah. to to be, be confirmed. confirmed. That's right. <laughs> In the meantime, you can say hello to us, uh, Podcast Land, uh, Jim Cakes. Where can you be found? Well, annoyingly, not at Jim Cakes, but at Jimmy the Who. Jimmy the Who, you say? Yes. Well, well heard and recited back to me. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Proved you were listening. Pride <laughs> myself on my ears. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent branding. 
You can say hi to me as well, Podcast Land. I can be found at Ponken, P-O-N-K-E-N. Yeah, that's it. Ponken. High five me online. I will high five you right back. Again, thank you so much for listening. You've been an absolutely lovely audience as always. Until the next time, please rock on, be rad and excellent to one another. Cha-chao. See ya. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hooray! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own. Browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, ciao. Who back when?